Welcome to Phone Emission Focus, discussing photography. Hi, I'm Steve Finkel. On this episode of Focus, I wanted to talk about light and the various different types of light that's out there and maybe challenge people to explore some different types of light that they may not have previously worked with. Some of those things we'll touch on is low light. And I think low light, sometimes it's a, it's an area of photography that sometimes people avoid because sometimes the challenges of getting an, you know, an image in low light situations can be quite hard, depending on the circumstances, if there's kind of movement involved. And obviously you, you're working with usually you know, higher ISOs and lower shutter speeds and shallow depth of field just to try and let enough light get into the onto the sensor so you can actually get a picture. But sometimes, like I said, understanding what you can do and I suppose how you can actually make that work for you, how you can make a bad situation actually produce a pleasing result. So some dark, moody photographs taken in low light can just add a whole new dimension to the subject. And the other thing with low light, sometimes it lends itself sometimes to being shot in black and white. So I think if you thinking about trying to look at something a little bit different with your photography and maybe you've maybe you just go out there and you shoot you know various different stuff but you're just looking for something to I suppose tweak it or turn it up a little bit or just try something a little bit different and like I said I think low light photography and you know night photography is a really 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 good way to help you understand about I suppose about exposure and how it works and the challenges and like I said, I think the sometimes people get into a safe spot with photography where they kind of shoot stuff they know they can get without really pushing the boundaries. And like I said, sometimes I think taking a camera out at night time and even like shooting in the city, using the city light, using window lights to light subjects is a fantastic way to, I suppose, just give a different a different look i mean when you shoot some like a person during the day and and there's bright sun overhead it creates a particular a mood about the photo but as soon as you kind of bring in those warm elements of say lights from store windows and basically lots of shadows and those types of things they can really add a tremendous amount of interest and the other thing too is sometimes the background, you know, can fade away and you can have the kind of black background fairly fairly dark. So you're just really concentrating on, say, if it's a model or a person who's actually at front of scene that, you know, and they've been lit, like I said, from a shop window or something like that, that can really make for a really interesting image. And I think sometimes people worry with, you know, certain things like, ISO. ISO seems to be one that I know a lot of people freak out about. If if the ISO, they don't want to creep the ISO up and they, they kind of keep it down, which then sometimes might limit them because they oh I can't go and shoot that because I just won't get a I just won't get a suitable exposure. But I'd challenge people out there to really, I suppose, try and, you know, experiment. Try and push the ISO. Like I said, sometimes in some situations where there's movement involved and it's low light, sometimes the movement, you want to freeze the movement. You know, sometimes you don't want to have a blurry photo where someone's dancing around on stage singing. You'd rather kind of freeze them and push the ISO up so you can actually use a higher shutter speed. And I think sometimes people are reluctant to really push ISO. They, they can't kind of 
I don't know, get into a comfort zone with ISO where they think, you know, I don't want to go above 800 or whatever. Some people have set their own limits, I think, with ISO where I'm open to shooting ISO at whatever, whatever does the job. I mean, whatever helps me get an image. If I've got to shoot at 10,000 ISO, um, so be it, if it helps get the picture. And sometimes like that extra noise that's in the picture sometimes can add to it, especially in low light stuff, because they're already, the background's already noisy. There's always challenges with the lighting anyway. So why not just kind of help yourself by using those highest ISOs? And I think going out there and just experiment about cranking your ISO up and using a high ISO. I mean, obviously, if you've got a fast lens, use the, you know, the fastest lenses that you have. If you've got a, you know, like a, and what's a, what would be a good lens to take out, I suppose, on the street if you were doing some shooting some night scenes in the city would be to take something like the Nifty 50 1.8. So you've got that um, 1.8 aperture, which will let a lot of light in. And like I said, that'll help keep your ISO down a bit low if you're worried about it. But like I said, shoot at that you know 1.8 and try and freeze action, try and freeze the movement if there's movement. And sometimes it's good, like not always to freeze movement. Like sometimes you deliberately want to have stuff where people are walking past and you might want to have them kind of tell the story that these people are rushing to get the train or whatever and they're, and they're moving quickly. So you might want a little bit of blur, but on some images you want to try and I suppose get the subject frozen in time. So like I said, and like I said, I just, I don't know, it's it's something I, I think you've just got to kind of, I suppose, unset. If you've set yourself barriers, and I think this is what happens sometimes with photographers, we, we do set our own barriers. Sometimes we'll set things up saying, well, I, won't, I won't do this and I won't do that. I won't shoot above this ISO and those type of things. And sometimes those type of things, by putting yourself a barrier up, can actually, I suppose, hold you back. Because there's going to be times when you know you're not going to shoot something because purely because you know you're just not going to get a result. And I think that's the thing with photography is that sometimes you have to just you know, reinvent yourself and, you know, if you have put barriers around yourself, if you have put limitations on the type of stuff you shoot because of the, the lighting conditions, maybe rip down those barriers and just kind of live on the wild side for a bit and just try shooting some stuff outside, your, you know, what you normally be comfortable with with your camera and just see what type of results. I mean, I've recently seen some pictures that someone did and they, you know, they they weren't afraid to let the ISO get right up there and to get some pictures and they would, you know, quite often sometimes with wildlife and stuff like that, you're shooting through into canopies where there's not a lot of light because the, the canopies of the trees are filtering the light. So, and there might be some wildlife nestled in there somewhere that you can photograph, but to actually kind of, I suppose, see them in there, you need to crank up the ISO. But quite often people have got some great results by just trying and experimenting and just trying, I suppose, using the cameras and these days look if you owned an older dslr one you know when they first came out yes you had as soon as the iso started getting up there noise started to creep into the images pretty severely so and i think people kind of got a bit of a taste of that and that's kind of for some people that's kind of stayed with them they they've carried that as they've progressively got new cameras that that's kind of that rule has stuck with them and the thing is, with modern, say, mirrorless cameras, they just have incredible performance. You can crank the ISO up and you can still get really, really clean pictures with really high ISOs. 
So like I said, in this episode, I just want people to, I suppose, think about experimenting, getting outside the comfort zone as far as what their settings are and particularly get yourself into some low light situations and just see what you can work. Like, I mean, sometimes if there's a, if there's a, um, a venue that does, say, an open mic and have some people come and perform, sometimes that's an opportunity for you to get there and practice with your camera. I know there's a couple of places that I go to in Brisbane. There's one place called Vent Space, which is our going to be the hub for the Brisbane Photography Festival, but they do an open mic night. Basically, the lighting's not always perfect what in those type of venues, um, but and there's people performing. So it actually gives you an opportunity to experiment and try different things. Like I said, sometimes, you know, just mixing it up, try shooting of prime lenses, try shooting of fast primes, try and shoot, you know, shallow depth of field. So you're blurring out the background and you're pulling the subject up nice and sharp. So like I said, it's it's just something worth, like I said, trying something different. Yeah, in the same token is, you know, in that type of situation, like in a nightclub situation, again, very challenging, very challenging lighting, a lot of movement, those type of things. But sometimes you can create some really interesting images. And if you start looking around you, I suppose, in a typical city, there's lots of like pockets of places where you can go. And there's sometimes there's great pools of light, which can really work really well. I mean, sometimes some streetlights cast a, you know, cast a real pool of light that when someone comes walking, you know, if you, if you back a distance and you're shooting maybe with like a telephoto lens, like a 200 or something like that, 2.8, and as a person walks into that pocket of light, that can look amazing because the background's all dark, but you've got this kind of overhead um, light spotlighting the subject. So sometimes, like I said, just go and look for what's around you. I mean, you've really got to, I suppose you've really got to study the scene and just see where the light is and particularly, like I said, if you're placing subjects, that's you know, look for that light pocket of light to place your subject. Or if you're out kind of doing street photography, look for for a pocket of light where people you know people are going to walk through that area. You know, you can you can capture it. And sometimes I know that when I've been shooting fashion and with a lot of runway shows, quite often there's the way the lights are set up is that there's only a couple of opportunities when the model's actually really well lit. Um, so you kind of got to hit those pockets of light each time the model is in that zone where they're getting where their face is actually being illuminated by the light, and um, you can see all the detail and that type of stuff. So again, it's about looking around you, looking at what's out there, and like I said, thinking about it differently. Because like I said, I know it's so easy to fall into that trap of just getting shooting a particular way, and like I said. You know, there's people who really have made, I suppose, a low-light photography their own style. They go out and they really relish in the fact of they look for places where, you know, it's going to be really challenging and they really push themselves to try techniques to try and basically get shots that no one else has seen before by using the meagre amount of light that's there. And like I said, it's sometimes it's a combination of a few different things but sometimes it's easy too, like in those situations is, you know, take a something like a an LED torch. And with an LED torch, you can create your own pockets of light. So sometimes, like I said, you can have a scene that's quite dark and you can just basically, using an LED torch, just pop some light in a particular area just to light a part of your subject. And that can, like I said, can make for a really 
interesting photograph because you can use that light to pick out some particular aspect of the subject. Um, if it's a person, it might be their face. Um, if it's, um, or it might be that they're holding something in their hand and, and you're kind of, I suppose, you know, illuminating that, that people can actually see the person's holding something. And again, you can get creative with this type of lighting and, and it's simple because you don't need, you don't need to have anything really too expensive. Like I said, an LED torch will work really, really well. And like I said, there's lots of natural light around in, say, a city space. But like I said, coming from the shop windows, you know, you think about if you've got a shop window that's lit and it's got whatever display in there and you bring somebody up to it so they're looking in the shop window, but then you're shooting parallel to the glass, you've got this fantastic light source falling on their face. And again, that can make for some really interesting you know, interesting photographs. And again, depending on how you frame it, you can kind of include some of the what's in the window so you can see that. I mean, you might shoot that fairly shallow depth of field so it, you can see that there's items in there but they're not superly in focus. So you kind of got that nice bokeh effect happening but the subject is nice and sharp. So, And again, it's just kind of thinking about different ways you can use your camera and use it in conditions where previously you may not have thought of and again, like I said, if there's, um, I think, you know, one of your friends out there at the moment, I suppose, is the internet. And if you sit there and Google low-light photography, once you start seeing the examples of low-light photography, that will really give you some ideas. And you'll see that some people have just gone. So sometimes a scene which during the day would look very ordinary and have not much appeal to it whatsoever, um, shot during the middle of the day, when shot in low-light at night, it takes on a whole new, just takes on a whole new feel. It takes on a whole new look, and it just for some reason, it just stuff can be so much more interesting when you do that. And the other thing is, obviously, when we're talking low light, the other area of low light photography, which is you know things like chasing things like light trails, where you're using a very long exposure, so things are moving through the frame, so you're getting these, you know, everyone has seen the. You know, the pictures of, of the car headlights and the car tail lights, the trails, you know, cars going up the freeway or down the street and you're doing a long exposure where basically while the while the shutters open, the car has driven completely through the frame and you've got these tracks of light. Um, and again, they can make for interesting, interesting images. And like I said, sometimes when you get like an area where there's an intersection where people, cars are turning, you know, you can actually see the direction of the car, which way it's gone, the way the light's gone. And again, it's just using that amount of light that's there and using it in a way a bit different. So this is where, like I said, you're deliberately going to have motion blur in the image because that's a part of what you're trying to achieve and that's a part of the effect that you're actually going for. And again, there's more than one way to think about it. And also, if you think about that, scene of say you know you know uh, an open mic night where there's someone performing on stage and they're moving around a bit again that's somewhere you could experiment and do you know the intentional camera movement type of thing where you do a very slow very slow shutter speed so the person's moving around so they're blurred and that type of stuff but the background is all the background is all sharpened and in focus but the person's moving around so you can kind of again create some really interesting effects by just using the light that's available to you. And like I said, there's the opportunity for you to, to add some light in by using, 
you know, things like if you own some speed lights or, or other type of lights, again, these are things that you can typically do. But, I mean, sometimes that is a lot of messing around. And sometimes, too, like speed lights can, firing a speed light in public can cause, I suppose, un, unwanted attention if people start seeing if you're firing this flash off. So sometimes, like I said, using like a cheap LED light, and these days you can actually buy these amazing little flat panel LED lights and they're getting cheaper and cheaper and you most of them you can actually adjust the colour temperature so you can have different colour temperatures. They run on a battery and they run, you know, incredibly long time. So some of these ones are just small enough to fit in your pocket. Some of them just look like not much bigger than a mobile phone. And like I said, some of them are RGB so you can actually have all the colours of the of the rainbow in there as well. So again, think about when you're in a low light situation, maybe you can actually pack some light in your pocket and take some light to the scene as well and use a use a bit of um and sometimes like just dropping in ones that can kind of do RGB, sometimes if you drop, you know, a different colour in the background, again that can make for a really interesting effect that if you pop a bit of blue or, or you know, a colour that's not normally in that in that environment, sometimes that can just add an extra bit of element of interest that people can see this blue tinge in the background and wonder what's going on. It's not quite sure. But again, these different types of techniques of shooting with low light is is creative. It's, it's your friend. Like it really is an opportunity to actually make something different. That, and things that people, like I said, will look at your pictures and go, wow, that's really cool. I really like, I never thought to do that or I never thought that you better get a picture in that situation. And again, it's just about, trying stuff and getting out there and you know just pushing the envelope and I think that's as photographers we all have to do that we all have to get out there and just push the envelope try new stuff and just get there and try and find something that you like doing and sometimes like I said just you'll fall into a bit of a a bit of a pattern and you'll do some things that you like and I mean you know we've talked about various different things on focus and and you know lighting and that type of stuff I mean and while we're talking about, I suppose, low light, you know, light painting is another um, really cool feature and kind of touched on a little bit by saying using your torch to, to illuminate a part of something. But the other thing is in a long exposure, you can have a scene in a city or somewhere like that where you're doing a, a, a long exposure and this might be like a 20 or 30 second exposure. And But you can use your LED torch to paint parts of that in. I remember I took this scene of this the popular part of the river in Brisbane where you can get down there and there's rocks on either side and you shoot out between the rocks and the cityscape is in the background so you do a long exposure and the the rocks on the side typically are they're 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 in darkness really there's not there's a little bit of street lighting there but not much lighting at all and what happens is when you take the picture you've got this you know, and you do a long exposure, you've got this fantastic city skyline with all the colours on the buildings and all that type of stuff, the lights and with the river, with reflections of the colours in the river. So I remember doing a shot there and I I like these kind of rocks and stuff on the side and I wanted to get them in there. So basically during the exposure, I used an LED torch and I basically lit one side of the rocks of the torch halfway, you know, about half the time of the exposure and then went and did the up, then moved the torch over and move them around the rocks and basically a bit like tracing around them with a pencil like use the beam of light to kind of go around the rocks and then any part of it you want to highlight a bit more hold the light there for a little bit longer and that will 
up some more detail and then move the light. But, you know, kind of keep the light moving a little bit. Don't kind of stop for too long in one spot. I was going to end up with a really hot spot of light there and you're going to have a, a part of the frame which is going to be overexposed and, you know, the highlights are going to be blown out. So, again, but it's just something you can practice and it's something you can just simply practice in the backyard. If you've got a set up the tripod in the backyard and you've got a few things in the backyard, you can just simply try this technique. I remember I practiced it with um, there's some palm trees behind in the neighbouring property behind and I'd point the camera at the sky and I'd do like a, you know, a 20 second exposure and then I'd use my LED torch and I'd actually light the leaves of the palm trees. And when you saw the image on the back of the camera, it looked really cool because you've got this kind of night sky thing happening. You've got the green of the palm tree because you've actually used your torch to light it. And it kind of looks almost like the palm trees in daylight, but you've got this night scene happening behind it. And it's all done in camera. So it's not like a Photoshop trick where someone might, there's a technique where sometimes people will you know, take a picture of a nighttime scene um, leave the camera set up there and then take a picture of the daytime scene then take a picture of the nighttime scene and then blend the two images together and make a part of the scene of that scene night and a part of that scene during the day. And that can be done, like I said, and that does produce some cool results as well. But you can create something similar in camera by simply just, like I said, using your LED torch to actually light sections of it. And again, it's something i suggest you just go and if you haven't played with this technique it's something just to get your tripod get your camera set it up put your camera on on manual settings so you can control the long exposure also set your focus to manual focus and one of the tricks is it's really good at low light stuff doing like that sometimes it's difficult to get focused so use your led torch to shine onto the thing that you want to pick focus and then you can use your autofocus to grab that. And then once you've got focus, you can turn it to manual focus and then you're ready to shoot. One of the other tips, I suppose, always with when you're using something like a, a camera on a tripod and you're doing fairly long exposures and you've got static items in the background that you're trying to make freeze is you don't want any camera movement. So if you've got, you know, use either the built-in camera timer so you can set the timer in the camera so you press the shutter so you take your hand away and by the time the camera actually does it, takes exposure, any movement that you might have created there by pushing down the shutter has been eliminated. So that's a really easy technique. The other technique is that a lot of cameras these days basically have an app. They can either connect by what they can wirelessly connect to your phone and basically you can then trigger the camera using the app so you're not even touching the camera so you can just... Um, not worry about using the timer feature you can just simply use the trigger on your phone as a wireless trigger for your camera and again just eliminates that uh, i suppose eliminates the, the possibility of you know adding some movement that wasn't intentional you know so again it's all these techniques to play with like i said it's a whole and and it's a area like it's an area where you can practice in the safety of your own backyard just to practice these techniques and that's what i suggest people to do is is take the camera out you know, wait till nightfall and just try some different different things about how you can get the, I suppose, the these different techniques. And again, you can, it's amazing how you can have a very long exposure and you can be moving around with a torch painting stuff and not actually 
yourself being seen, if you're not shining the torch directly on yourself, you can be moving around. That's how you see people write these. They write a message in the air, basically, with the torch. So they're basically light painting in the air and they might sign their name or they might, you know, write happy birthday or they might do some other type of thing or draw a star or whatever. Um, if you're constantly moving, then the the camera won't actually expose you on the frame. You'll just be kind of always moving. And especially if you wear dark clothes, so the trick of that is wear dark clothes and keep moving and just wear the, how the whatever the light source is, that it's not coming back on you, that it's it's projecting forward. So you're not getting any backscatter from the light. So that can that's not illuminating your hand, which could then give away the fact that you're there running around with the torch. So again, these are just ideas, like I said, to do something a little bit different. And in this episode, we've been talking about using low light, getting out there and experiment with low light. And if you've got the opportunity to go and shoot somewhere, definitely have a crack at it because, like I said, you can produce some really interesting images that are that are different. And again, but you do learn a lot about your camera and about what the capabilities are. And again, it's also good to, I suppose, when you are out at night using your camera, is sometimes a good idea if you're going to be using different modes, run through them during the day so you practice them where they are, where you might want to switch switch different modes. And one of the modes that sometimes people use when they're doing low light photography, if it's a, say if you're using a DSLR, sometimes you want to use mirror lockup because sometimes, you know, depending on your tripod or whatever, that sometimes even the movement of, of a mirror swinging out of the way so the, the exposure can be made is sometimes people will use that feature and, and basically, so just before the picture is taken, the mirror goes in lockup, then the shutter opens and against that time delay, I suppose, between the two things happening. But if you're going to use those techniques, you need to probably learn where they are in the camera because when you're out and you're outside in the dark, quite often you know you need to know basically where some of those features are. Some cameras too, if you are using different, techniques at night time is um, some of them can be accessed through one of the menu buttons that can be programmed so some of the menu buttons on cameras you can actually program so they go to a particular um, feature that you might use regularly and one of the things that I suppose that people do use when they're doing long exposure is they use a long exposure compensation mode where basically sometimes when the sensor is actually turned on for a very long time you can actually get hot pixels. So you can actually see these little points of of light that um, not actually in the scene, but they're actually coming from the sensor itself. And that happens, like I said, particularly older older DSLRs were prone to it more so, I think, than mirrorless. But mirrorless probably could be potentially could potentially be an issue as well. And but camera manufacturers came up with this setting where basically when you did a long exposure what it would do is it would then take a second exposure but not actually open the shutter and it would compare the two images and try and cancel it out. So some people have had that experience when they've gone, you know, for the first time gone out and done a, like a 30-second a long exposure and then only to find out that the camera's busy for this, like, 60 seconds and they're going, well, it was a 30-second but why is the camera still busy or what's it doing? So sometimes by default, it's turned on. So that's what it is. It's it's basically making a second exposure and doing comparison to see where the hot pixels are so it can actually fix in camera 
that feature. So again, it's just good to learn some stuff about your camera, to have an idea where the settings are, where to find them, so you're not kind of fumbling around in the dark. So practice in the daytime, um, in light, so you know where they are. If they're things that you're going to use on a regular basis, check out, see if your camera supports having them programmed to a custom button. I've got a number of things on my camera, on my R5, that I've set to custom buttons so I can quickly call them up without kind of digging through the menu system. So again, it just helps you, I suppose, work more efficiently, but also it just helps your confidence that you're not kind of fumbling around trying to trying to work something out on the fly. So it's better to, to learn it in a, an environment first that you're familiar with, and then if you go into something like a low-light environment, you're not having to kind of fumble around and second-guess stuff. So on this episode of Focus, we've been talking about um, low-light photography. Suggest that if you haven't tried some really low-light stuff, get out there with your camera and just try it. It's just a fun thing to do, and, and you can create some really cool and interesting effects. Until next time, enjoy your photography. This has been Steve Finkel for Photo Mission Focus, discussing photography. See ya.